Hello and welcome to She's Creative with me, Claire Hodgson. Each episode, I chat to a different woman who works within the creative industries, discovering how she turned creativity into a career. Today's guest is singer-songwriter B. Charlotte. Let's go to that conversation. Charlotte Bremner is a 23-year-old singer-songwriter from Dundee known as B. Charlotte. In 2017, she was signed with Columbia slash Sony Music, the same label as Adele and Beyonce. She has toured in the US and Southeast Asia, played international music festivals, and her latest single, Lights Off, was named BBC Introducing Track of the Week and added to the BBC Radio 1 playlist. Charlotte, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no problem. Um, Just to start off, um, I just ask everyone, where did you grow up and what did your parents do for a living? <laughs> um, I grew up in Dundee, mostly, most of my life. Um, I also grew up, I lived in Blair Gowrie for a little bit as well, which is a smaller town um, on the East Coast. And um, my parents, my mum has done many different jobs. Um, when, I, when I was growing up, she used to work in a call centre and now she does like sort of community theatre and drama stuff. Um, and my dad, or my stepdad, he is a joiner or a woodwork machinist, as he likes to call it, <laughs> the professional term for it. <laughs> cool. And when did you first realise that you wanted to be a singer-songwriter? Um, I think... Um, I was probably, I'd been writing for a couple of years, I was about 16 and I first had the idea of, oh, I think this is maybe what I want to do. Up until that point, I had no clue. I thought maybe I'd, I don't know, I had this desire to maybe like be a vet or something like that, but I definitely didn't have the, I don't know, the, the qualifications to back that one up. So I quickly realised that that's not really for me. Um, and yeah, I think I'd been writing for a few years and I really enjoyed it. And I thought, you know what, I this it might be a wild dream but I, I would like to give this a go. Yeah and I read that you went to Radio One's big weekend in Dundee in 2006 and that was really inspiring for you and that kind of started something. Yeah yeah it was Um I lived uh, we were living in Driver at the time and Radio One the big weekend was just in Camperdown Park so literally just next to where I was living and I couldn't believe it and we, we went um, me and my mum and um, I got to meet Corin Bailey Ray at like the signing tent and oh, she wow. was my biggest um, like my most favourite singer at the time and yeah I couldn't believe it um, yeah it was definitely so it was my first time ever seeing artists that I'd listened to on a CD in real life and on a big stage and with a crowd of people as well and I definitely think there was something in there somewhere that obviously got sort of wedged in my mind that thought okay I like this I like the idea of of doing this and and sharing music. Yeah and you started writing music at 13 is that right? Yeah. Yeah and Uh, doing open mics at 14 as well what was that like and how did you kind of get into it? Yeah, um, I kind of, I guess, I didn't really mean to write my first song. It kind of, it just happened. I played, I learnt guitar, I learnt some chords on the guitar and I played some covers and then I sort of just wrote my own words down and then put that on top of the chords that I knew. And yeah, I guess my first song was kind of there, but I, I kept a lot of my songs to myself for, for quite a while. And then um, I took part in Dundee's Got Talent when I think I must have been about 14 um, and that was one of my first sort of uh, things I'd ever done and I was terrified and I was the only person I think singing an original song as well so yeah I, did, I didn't win that, that was my first sort of and only I guess competition experience um, and then yeah at, at that I met um, I met a couple of people who were hosting open mic nights in Dundee and I went along to them it, at Doghouse which is now church in Dundee and yeah that was my first my first time it was yeah scary but um it was it was nice and I met so many so many lovely and talented and just really really nice people going to those open mic nights. Yeah that's brilliant and how would someone go about like if someone was starting out and they wanted to do open mics how would they go about doing that? Yeah I, I just um I just googled 
open mic nights in Dundee and, and then in Perth and then in Glasgow um, and I would just usually I would message beforehand because um, when I was under 18 as well and some of the most of the open mic nights were in bars and um, so I had to message beforehand to make sure they were cool with that and they knew that I just wanted to come in and play some songs um, and yeah and, and, and turn up um, I was lucky that, that my mum would come along with me to the open mic nights which I think was helpful um, and just chatting to people who, who were there really it can be a bit of a sort of daunting thing to do but yeah I think just I did the same for when I booked a little tour um when I first went over to America and then the same in South East Asia we just literally googled venues and open mic nights in those places and and went along usually everyone is pretty friendly and accepting of of everyone which which I really like and do you find that that helps you get um, a bit of a fan base doing that? Um, I guess so. I think so. There's there's definitely some people who were at like my very first gigs years and years and years ago that aren't sort of related to me that still um, listen to my music or sort of interact online. Um, and yeah, but I think for me, because I guess my, my, my music and my songwriting sort of developed and changed a bit as I guess I grew, uh, grew older a little bit. Um, that yeah, it's a little bit of different music. And at that time I was mostly doing covers as well. Um, but yeah, there's definitely quite a few people that have been uh, sort of listening from the very beginning, which is, which is mad. And you said that you play guitar. Do you play any other instruments? And did you learn guitar at school or was that something you had lessons on? Um, yeah, I, I, at first I got some guitar lessons outside of school. Um, a guy who was I think at Dundee Uni at the time and we like found him on Gumtree or something like that and he was really really lovely and um, it was really cheap and we were able to yeah I get, got a few guitar lessons and then when I could get it at school for free we started doing that and then um, yeah I, I think my sort of main instrument uh, going through school was always guitar and in the beginning as well was also drums um, which I love to play. I don't really play that as much anymore. Um, and then, yeah, when I got to about sort of 14 or 15 in school, I, I did mostly singing. Um, but yeah, my main instrument is really guitar. Um, I can play a bit of drums, a bit of keyboard, um, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, a bit of everything. Um, what advice would you give for women who want to start writing music? Um, I think... I think the sort of, I don't know what best advice, but one of the things I would say is that um, just to trust your gut instinct about what you want to write about and not be too caught up in thinking about what other people might want to hear. Um, because I think a lot of times, especially when you're a woman in the music industry, people want to, or an artist, they want to put you into a specific box and say, oh, you're exactly like this person, or this is the next so-and-so and the next so-and-so. And I think it's important to not get too caught up in that. Um, and it's amazing to obviously take take inspiration from artists that you love. But I think, yeah, trust, trust your gut of what you want to do, and you'll know what the sort of right decisions are and even if it feels like people are saying oh I, I don't get it I don't understand it then just keep going if, if that's really what you want to do and that's what you feel is right don't don't let other people throw you off your path just so they can hear or see what they want to want to hear or see. Mm -hmm. And what is your writing process like? Um, it's kind of different each time I guess really um, my, my most sort of comfortable way of writing songs is usually starting on the guitar and then I will mess around with a few melodies and then I'll put my lyrics into that um, but then other times um, like the other week I started an idea where I had a phrase that I'd had written uh, on my laptop for ages and I just put a melody to it and then sort of added the guitar into it um, but yes my favourite way to write songs is definitely on the guitar um, Sometimes I do um, do start an idea like on Ableton, sort of with the production first, and then add the rest to it. But yeah, my favourite way is to sort of just let it flow out on the guitar or on the piano, and just sort of see what happens. And what's the recording like? Um, yeah, I guess a lot of times um, I, I like to usually just if I start on the guitar or the piano, and then I'll put it into Ableton and sort of build it up a little bit with some ideas that I've got. And then um, I, I really enjoy sort of collaborating with other sort of artists or producers to kind of finish it and get it to 
a place where, where it needs to be. Because um, I've only ever sort of self-taught myself, I guess, production stuff. So I don't know a lot of the different things. I only know what um, what feels right. Um, but yeah, I, I love to be able to sort of work with other producers and then go into a studio and just sort of say all these ideas of what you think you'd like it to sound like and they can sort of make it happen. And how do you go about collaborating with other people? Um, uh, I mean, mostly it sort of happens through like um, either people are on a similar label or similar management and, and stuff like that. But then a lot of times it can be really sort of natural and just happen through through Instagram um, or Twitter and following other art, artists or songwriters who get in touch and say, oh, I'd like to collaborate, I'd like to write a song, I'd like to just, um, yeah, chat about music. Um, so it kind of happens in a lot of different ways, really. Um, I don't have... I'm signed to Columbia for my record deal, but I don't have a, I don't have a publisher. Um, so usually if, if someone's got a publishing deal, then they will take care of all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's still myself and my manager. We just sort of, yeah, get in, get in touch. Sometimes songwriters that I like will get in touch with us or sometimes we get in touch with, with writers or producers that, that I've sort of heard their stuff and I think would be fun to give it a go. And then other times I just go and do writing sessions with complete strangers that I've never met before, which can be great and also can be awful. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what are writing sessions like, especially if you're working with someone else? Are you just kind of bouncing ideas off of each other? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, they kind of have a bit of a, a similar structure. Um, if it's someone that you already know or someone that you've already met before, it's a lot easier. But a lot of times if it's someone that I've just met, then we usually spend the first couple of hours or few hours just chatting about things. Because I think it's so important to to get to know people um, and for them to get to know me as well. There's definitely been times where I've been in sessions and people have just presumed, oh, I, I want this type of music or I want to write about that type of thing. Um, so for me, it's always really important to get to know the people. Um, usually pretty instantly, I can tell whether I'm going to get on with somebody or not mm -hmm. based on, I don't know, what they, what they, what they talk about. Um, but yeah, it usually happens like that. And then a lot of times I like to take an idea into the, into the studio and work on that because then it means that um, I've got a little bit more of a sort of control over it in a sense, I guess, rather than going into somebody else's space and then they're sort of just trying to, tell me sort of what they think what yeah. they think I should do when you were younger as well as music you had a passion for dance as well and yeah. you had a place for Dundee Scottish Dance Theatre but decided to just focus on the music why did you decide to do that um I mean I think at the time I must have been about 16 or something um I was ending up like sort of letting letting the Scottish Dance Theatre down because I wasn't able to go to rehearsals or go to shows because I had gigs on. Um, and I, at that time, I was really enjoying gigging more, more, than, more than dancing. But yeah, I've always loved it. And I loved the, the friendships and the sort of um, the community that there was there when I, went, when I went there. And I did my, we had to do work experience at school. That's where I, where I did that as well. And that's really sort of the avenue I thought I was going to go down. Um, and I did sort of, I started looking at colleges and stuff to do with dance. But yeah, I think I think music sort of won um, in the end. But it's something now that I'm slowly starting to be able to put back into my sort of life, I guess. Because yeah, there's always, for, like writing songs gives, gives a certain type of release and performing on a stage does as well. But when you're dancing as well, it gives another level of just not having to think about anything else, um, which I quite like. So yeah, I do miss that a lot. And I do wish I'd just stuck doing both, but you know, <laughs> I decided I decided that back then. Mm -hmm. And you went on to you studied music business at Glasgow Kelvin College, and as part of the course, you ran the Electric Honey label. Is that right? Yeah. How did that work? Yeah, that was that was great. So I moved. Um, I I started. I found myself sort of basically going through to Glasgow quite a few times a week and the people that I started working with uh, in the studio producers and people that I was chatting to about management and about being in my band were all in Glasgow so I kind of thought I wanted to try give, uh, giving it a go to live in Glasgow and one of the ways that I thought would be good to sort of get there would be going to college as well and being able to sort of learn 
something new. Um, so yeah, I, I applied for that and um, yeah, it was great. It was meant to be a two year course. I only ended up doing one in the end because um, music just got a bit too, I guess my artist side of it got a bit too busy. Um, but yeah, it, it was great. And one of the sort of modules was um, to yeah run the run the electric honey label, which had been going for quite a number of years. And I think that's always what the what each year sort of does. And you get to um, basically be the A and Rs and find an artist and take them in and, and pitch it to the rest of the group. And then we all picked different artists. And it was really yeah, it's really 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 fun and just great to be on that side of it too. I, I learned so much. But before that, I had no clue what a record label was, what a publishing house was what the difference between an independent label and a major label I had absolutely no idea and yeah I'm so so grateful that I was able to go and able to go and do that and it meant that I could live in Glasgow as well so it was it was a really really good experience actually. Would you recommend that other singer-songwriters do that kind of course do you think that helps get into the business and get into that mindset? I think so yeah I think for me I really wanted to to do the business course instead of the performing course because I was performing a lot in real life and doing a lot of songwriting in real life and I really I didn't want to go to sort of label meetings or, or meet with these different people in the music industry and have no clue what they were talking about and um, I think that was the main thing I think I, I could have definitely made a choice to just I don't know just yeah sit back and, and not learn about what any of that stuff is um, and just let other people make decisions for me but I, I never wanted to I never sort of wanted to do that and yeah I, I would definitely recommend it if you can I think I think it's so important because especially now there's so much more opportunities for independent artists and people who are just working by themselves to to get so many more sort of bigger opportunities and I guess the more you know about, about the industry the sort of the better but then there is also things that you just I guess pick up as as things arise and different problems and issues arise then you learn what they are but yeah I would definitely recommend it I think it's good to know it's good to know a bit about that side and it's good to know if somebody is talking absolute rubbish to you as well. When people are starting out is there any advice you would give for people that are just at the beginning of their career in terms of and the financial aspects, like, do you think that can be quite difficult to start to like get your feet off the ground? Definitely, yes. And it's still difficult when your feet are <laughs> off the ground. I guess it's, it's, yeah. I, I guess with any job that isn't got that hasn't got a guaranteed annual income, so to speak, it's it's difficult. And yeah, there have been many many difficult times where I don't know how. I was going to pay my rent or my bills from from each month and I think um I think it's just about having a bit of that determination to get through and, and also just to, to doing things that doing useful things that you can get paid for whether that's not not gigs maybe that's workshops or different types of things like that um and also there's some really sort of good funding out there as well that's available I guess um but yeah it's, it's a really tricky thing and the more I'm sort of I don't know, the more I see of the music industry, the more I see that a lot of it is um, people who have, have came from a lot of money or people who already knew people in the music industry and, and that's why they got that job and stuff like that. And that can be really hard and really dis discouraging a lot of times when you haven't came from that sort of background. But um, it's just important to just sort of push through and, and, and try your best. And even though it may feel impossible just to not to not give up and, and just look at all all avenues and, and and see what can sort of be done. That's great and um, so when you were doing the college course that's when there was a bit of a, a buzz started about you and there were reps from agencies you said they came out and were buying you trainers and things like that. <laughs> um, they, didn't, they didn't get that far. <laughs> <laughs> can you explain how that works? Yeah, so um, I released my first single, which was on Electric Honey, which was called Discover, and we just released it physically, so it was just on a little sort of seven-inch vinyl, and um, yeah, I think it, it just sort of, uh, a few different labels, uh, A&Rs and agents and publishers started getting in touch with my management, and um, 
I think, yeah, I think they'd obviously never heard me before and they liked the song and, and, and stuff. And then they'd start, start coming up to Glasgow and then we went down to London a few times and had so many meetings of just chatting pointless things, in my opinion now, when I look back. Um, and yeah, it, it was kind of like that. It was, it was exciting, but at the same time, it all fizzled away so quickly that it just made me really realise how much you don't hang on every word these people say and how much it's so important that you are in control of your own sort of plans and you have your own ideas of what you want um, but it was really good to sort of get that insight I guess um, into what the sort of industry can be like and um, yeah that sort of went went away for, for quite a bit I think um, I think a lot I think because I was quite I've always been quite um, I guess passionate about how I want how I want to be or who I want to be and how I want to sort of come across and I think maybe for a lot of them they thought they were going to get something that was different from that and um, yeah I, I'm, I'm glad that sort of nothing came from that in a sense because I know it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been right it wouldn't mm -hmm. have been right in the end. Is there any kind of advice you would give to other people who are when they're starting out and they're um, they're in that kind of situation is there anything that they can be doing that will help yeah I think um, I guess doing your research is good so um, if you can on these people that are sort of reaching out and to see what, what they've done before and um, if you know anyone that's worked with these people before it's always just I think it's okay to just ask um, I think one thing though that I've, I've sort of really I guess learned over the past few years is that I don't I don't think that um you need to, I don't think that the end goal is sort of signing a deal or I don't think you need the end goal needs to be sort of seeking validation from other people who who are maybe in your life sort of temporarily because it's so important to remember that this is your life every single day and you're the one that needs to figure out how you're going to sort of pay your bills and be happy in your life and do the things you want to do and um, that's what I had to keep reminding myself in my head is that they uh, as much as people can be involved and invested it's not going to be their everyday life it's not going to be the main thing mm -hmm. the thing they just can't sleep about can't go to sleep about and just think about all the time and I think it's so important to remember that and, and just to yeah just to do what you want to do and if people come along and it feels right and you're like yeah you know what this feels like a good match then then it's it's great to sort of give that a go and equally if it feels like a good match and there's money that you can earn from that too then amazing brilliant and um when how did you make the transition from when you were at college or doing local gigs to being a professional artist um I mean, I, I basically just, uh, w when I left college, I just played gigs pretty much every week, um, as I kind of mostly had been doing, but more sort of further afield, I guess, and then more sort of industry type festivals, um, like showcase kind of festivals where people are literally coming to listen to two songs and judge you on that for the rest of your life which can be kind of daunting but um, they, they do work in essence I guess and um, yeah I just kept gigging and kept working really hard and, and trying to make the music that that I kind of thought I wanted to make um, and yeah just just kept gigging really and then um, it was at one of the festivals I was at that I met one of the the people from Sony Music Germany and that sort of started that conversation um, but I definitely think it was all the things that I'd done up until that point that sort of led to that. And then, yeah, I guess when I when I signed, um, it still took me quite a few months to actually get that right in my head that, okay, does this now mean I'm professional? But I don't think you need to be signed to call yourself professional in any means. I think if anyone who does music as, as, as a job and wants to do it as a job full time, then you are 100% um professional but I could never really yeah get that in my head I still don't really still don't really feel like that what was it like in the the run-up to when you were signed and how did it feel yeah it was um it was very exciting we did a sort of a trial period um for a few months before I actually signed which which was good and um because they were based out in in Germany I would kind of fly over to Munich quite a lot which was which was interesting um, and I was also in Berlin quite a lot doing some sort of writing sessions which I really loved loved 
there and um, yeah it was exciting it was very sort of surreal and also probably right up until the moment where I actually physically signed signed the bit of paper um, I, I didn't fully believe it I guess because I've always had a thing in my sort of my mindset has always been just don't trust it until it happens or don't get too excited until it happens and um, just in case it doesn't happen because that that those things do, do arise sometimes and um, but yeah it was very exciting and then I actually um, kept, it was kind of kept quite private and quite quiet for, for quite a few months before I actually announced it um, as well which I wasn't sure if I really wanted to announce it but I think I more did that because I've always tried to be so open about my career and the highs and the lows and the ups and downs and I think um, that it's good to sort of share those things and then if at some point I don't work with people again or certain labels then I think it's also okay to share those things too because it's, I'd much rather be sort of transparent than I don't know this sort of secretive um, try to be cool because I can't I can't pull that off. It's such a massive achievement um, to have done that and is there any advice you would give to to other people that were maybe going to be signing a deal or looking to sign a deal? Um, I think yeah I, again my, my biggest thing is, is trust your gut if at any point something doesn't feel right then then just ask the questions that you need to ask and, and sort of do what you need to do um, it's, it's different when you go from being unsigned um, and just sort of I guess you, you're it's only you and maybe one other person that in your team that sort of makes makes the decisions it's a bit different when it goes from that and you need to think about oh what does somebody else think about that and I can't just throw a song up on SoundCloud without telling somebody and, and stuff like that so it's kind of it's good to remember those things and I think um, the biggest thing that I, I did, I guess, nothing majorly changed for me. Like I, I signed a bit of paper and I was able to think that I could sort of pay my bills for the, the following year, well, the next 12 months or whatever after that, which was a nice thought. And, and that was it really, nothing changed. I didn't think, oh, that's it now. I can just sit back and relax. Like, I think it's, it's about having that mindset of this is just where it starts. This is just another part of the journey that you're on and just to keep working hard, keep writing songs, keep doing what, what you need to do and you will sort of just keep going. What kind of reaction have you had in Dundee in your hometown from, from other people? Like, do you get, do you get recognised a lot? That kind of thing. <laughs> um, sometimes that has happened a couple of times. Um, although one time I was in Tesco, this was a few years ago now, and the woman stopped me and said, oh, are you Charlotte Church? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think she just got a little bit mixed Muddled up, up but I still, yeah. Yeah, still cringe thinking about that. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes a few people have said, oh, it's B Charlotte, which is cool, which is, yeah, um, uh, but I still get embarrassed about that, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good reaction, I, I, I think, I, I hope. And um, yeah, I think sometimes like people will say to my mum, like, oh, is Charlotte a millionaire now? And she's like, absolutely not, no. <laughs> It's <laughs> like there's a bit of perception I think some things I think because maybe like in in the news sometimes it's like oh people um who are already really well established have got like million pound deals and all that so I think sometimes people think that happens as well but yeah that's not the case but yeah it's, it's great it's I think it's important to yeah to to have some support in your hometown mm -hmm. as well I feel like it seems like it's a gradual thing that happens for singer songwriters because a lot of the yeah. time, a lot of the time when they make it big and come on the scene, people think that they've just started doing it, but they've been doing it for, for years. I know. No, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, it's always funny, isn't it, when you like sort of, I don't know, you might hear something on the radio and I guess similar maybe like with Lewis Capaldi and it's sort of like, yeah. oh, he's just came out of nowhere and it's like, no, he's been gigging for like 10 years. Uh-huh bars all over Scotland to, to nobody and to lots of people um so yeah I do yeah that is funny that but I think it's yeah it's part of it I guess I feel like as well in the last few years there's been it's been really big for Scottish music I mean you've got Lewis Capaldi, Jerry mm -hmm. Cinnamon, Tom Walker, Nina Nesbitt, Joseph um yeah. is that something that you've felt and do you feel like there's a kind of change happening? Yeah, I, th I think so. I've definitely noticed quite a lot sort of like over the, the past sort of four or five years when um, I guess people in, in 
London get a bit of a buzz about Scotland and they start sort of looking in and it feels like definitely for the past year or so people have been really looking in and um, a lot of artists are getting the sort of recognition and attention that they've that they've deserved for quite a while and I think that is that is exciting and I think yeah all these amazing artists have always sort of been here and we've all just been sort of doing our thing and I think it is it is good for, for me I, I think as an artist it's amazing if you're able to sort of have some sort of success and, and open doors for other people as well like I think I think that's amazing that, and the Scottish music industry does have a bit of a, a feel about it like that. Do you feel like it's a community like do a lot of people talk to each other and collaborate and that kind of thing? Yeah I, I think so I think there's maybe quite a lot of different little communities within it within it as well but I think at the end of the day like for me I, I just it's, it's exciting when you see somebody else announce something or put out a new song and and, and, and do different things I think it's it's it should be about supporting each other and and stuff and um, I never really like to buy into that idea of the whole sort of competition and there's only room for a certain amount of people because I just don't think so I think the world is is huge and the, the I don't know music library is just huge <laughs> and uh, there's always going to be room for everyone to do to do their thing and yeah I, I hope that it can sort of continue as as the industry sort of grows. Have you ever met anyone that you've been really starstruck to meet before? Um, um, so I, I met the Proclaimers last year when I supported them mm -hmm, yeah. um, and I was, I was yeah very much start I have no idea what I said I, was just, I, was, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I think just because I've grown up listening to them and then I just couldn't believe it and it was just before the show they came to the dressing room and they just like had said hello and I just have no idea what I said I can't remember it was one of those moments um, uh, yeah, and I met Tom Walker as well last year, and again, I was just talking rubbish, I feel like, but he was so lovely, like, he was just such a nice, lovely guy, that we just end up having a normal conversation. Um, I can't think if there's if there's been, a, but yeah, mostly it was, I was pretty, just standing there, at the proclaimers, like, just trying not to say anything <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> when, what's it like being, like, backstage at a kind of, um, a bigger event like do do that all the artists talk to each other do they hang out what's mm, it like no it, it depends <laughs> it depends it depends what the event is it depends who the artists are really I guess um a lot of the time like I I really enjoy chatting to other artists and um, but everyone I guess has their own sort of mindset and their own process before a gig like sometimes if I'm super nervous I don't really want to talk to anyone mm -hmm. and I always I always be very mindful to not judge anyone in that situation because you just never know what they're going through as well like they, they might have something in their head so I, I always try and not think oh my god they didn't talk to me because you just never know what somebody's yes. dealing with um but most of the time I, I do try and it's it's nice to be able to sort of chat with other artists and it's usually one of the only well obviously not at the moment but like usually when it's festival season or whatever it's the only time you get to really chat with other artists and it's usually really brief but it's it's nice to sort of see people mm -hmm. and um you said in an interview before with the line of best fit that sometimes the songwriting sector in scotland can be a bit overlooked because there's not really an industry hub up here yeah. um tell me how you feel about that i think most of the time i know it's a, a, i know it's the same for a lot of other artists and songwriters that I know we have to go to to London or to Berlin or to other places in Europe to go and to go and songwrite and I think that um yeah I think people should come here because Scotland is also amazing like we've got great scenery we've got loads of things going on and I just think that um it, we should some we should celebrate that I think a lot of times um I guess as Scottish people we're quite uh not the first ones to sort of shout about how amazing we are and how brilliant we are and we've got this we're great at this and great at that and um yeah I think I think it's important to just acknowledge that no there is really amazingly talented people here and and you should know about them and the music industry is obviously quite um male dominated as well how how have you found that yourself yeah I think um when I look back from like even my very first open mic night I was probably me and there was maybe one other girl there and the rest the rest were sort of guys 
um, and it did take me quite a few years to sort of, um, I guess, figure out how, how I, what my place in it was and, and sort of how I wanted to be able to kind of deal with that. Um, and then it became even more apparent when every A&R meeting I went to or every label meeting I went to, there was never, never another woman that I met. Um, and then when I went into studio sessions and uh, songwriting sessions, production sessions, and I would ask, I'd like to work with some other women. Um, a lot of the people didn't, didn't have other women on their rosters. And it was just a bit like, this is, this is weird because there is many amazingly talented women out there. And, and then just, I guess, little things that, that have kind of gone on over the years that infuriate me at, at times when I think, oh no, that, that somebody said that to me because I'm a young woman or I've missed out on that opportunity because I'm a woman. And uh, it's, it can be very um, frustrating and I do get very uh, wound up about it. But I think it's then finding ways to put that energy into something that can be mm-hmm. useful. And I think talking about it is great um, as well. And I think it's good that more people are talking about that now online, especially and in, in, in person as well. But yeah, it's it's... I guess it's always been like this and it's been like this for generations before and like when you listen to like I don't know Dolly Parton 9 to 5 and that's what that song's about and you're just like it's still going on now mm-hmm. how um and I think yeah I, I would love if things would change but I think it's going to be like other sort of things in, relating to equality I think we just need to wait until until the rest of the world catches up a little bit on that it's good to see some of the bigger music festivals like Primavera committed to doing a 50-50 gender split and things like that. Is that something that you think should be seen more like in, in the UK as well? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I, I think, I mean, I think in all honesty, it shouldn't, it shouldn't take sort of a, a, a festivals taking a pledge to, to do that. It should just be something that naturally happens, but it's not yeah. It's not instinctively happening. And that's happening with signing artists to record labels and, and, and publishers, and then also for booking female artists as well. It's, it's not happening. It's sort of like, I don't know what it is. I don't know. But I, I think um, as well, like, there is like statistically so many less female songwriters sort of signed up to PRS the Royalty Collection Society in the UK, um, I think it's still just over 20% is female and the rest right, is yeah. male. Um, and that kind of shows that, um, it, it does show that, I, I guess it's out of 20% of, of, of those artists then that the festivals are having to book from. It, it does kind of, you can kind of see how that um, adds up. And I think a lot of time the argument some people have as well, um, not everyone signed up to PRS, but I think if you're at the level of playing a festival, then you kind of need to be in order to to get the money, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's something that everyone could sort of do a, a little bit better. And I read a, a study by Vic Bain, I think it came out last year, counting the music industry, and um, it was really great because it said a lot of things that I've been thinking for so long, like um, that there's I think it was maybe nineteen percent. Uh, signed to record labels between 2018, 2017 and 19 or something like that was was only female and and similar for, for publishing and these are all things I've been thinking about for quite a while and um, it's just I guess it's, it's not good but it's good when you can see other people talking about it because you think it's sometimes you think is it only me that thinks this or yeah you think that oh, only um, sometimes only guys can write sad songs on acoustic guitar but girls have to write these I don't know these perfectly finished little magical moments of music and it's just like (laughs) that's just not fair that doesn't so yeah there's many things I guess but uh, I think if the conversation is the main thing and then if if we can get people to start thinking about it a bit more then I guess that's a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, What what is the difference between if you've got a deal that's a publishing deal versus um, a non-publishing, I don't know much about it. Yeah, so um, a record deal just deals with the sort of mechanical side of things, so the actual record in itself, and a publishing deal is to do with the songwriting and the sort of the royalties between mm-hmm. songs. So, um, like, uh, a, a publisher will sort of go and 
try and get your music in, in adverts and in films and get you sessions with songwriters and that that isn't the best explanation of that at all but um, that's basically <laughs> publishing songwriting records records type thing mm-hmm. um but a lot of it does kind of cross over uh, yeah I, I think as well and going back to what we were speaking about about quality gender equality in the music industry um you were really proactive and organised a songwriting camp for young female Scottish artists. Um, can you just tell me a bit about why you set it up and, and what it was like? Yeah, um, so it was something that I've been thinking about for a while and then at the start of this year I just um, I just thought let's give it a go, let's try and see if I can make it work. Um, and it was a few months of sort of organising it and sort of getting it ready, I guess. Um, and then I'd, I'd asked some artists and songwriters that I already knew in Scotland to take part in the first one, just to give it a go. Um, and I mean, most of them I knew, but mainly through online, we hadn't actually spent that much time together in real life. Um, and then when I sort of announced it online, there was a lot of other artists and songwriters getting in touch not just from Scotland, from England and, and Germany and Ireland and stuff, which was really cool. Um, so my plan was to always do a couple more camps and sort of open it up a bit more as well. And I think um, by making it a combination of Scottish artists and artists from other places, then I think it's good that we're bringing people in, into Scotland as well. But obviously that's not, not really going to happen this year, um, physically anyway, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was really great. It was basically a, a two-day two-day songwriting camp where each day we're in groups of three and each group would write a song a day and um, on the end of the second day we sort of shared all the songs um, which were all really great and all really different and um, a couple of the artists from the camp are going to be releasing a couple of the songs that they wrote there as well which is amazing that that doesn't always happen and usually songwriting camps are maybe sort of five to seven days long. I've done a couple before. I did one in Nashville, um, which was really, it was really great, but it was really intense. It was like starting at 8 a.m. and you have to write the song by 11 a.m. and then you're in the studio and all this, everything has to be done by 5 p.m. and that's it, done, bye. And like, it's mm-hmm. just like, well, this is a new, a new world. Um, but so mine wasn't obviously like that. <laughs> it wasn't as, wasn't as strict, but um, yeah, but it was really great. And I guess the main, the main focus was for people to get together and write songs with people that they hadn't written with before. And um, and then when we were together, we were all just chatting. And I think sometimes people think that oh, if, you're, if you're signed or if things look particularly great online, that you haven't had some of the same issues or same problems um, as what everyone's sort of experiencing. And it was really nice to just share share experiences and, and moan about things and celebrate things and it, yeah it was really great and actually really emotional <laughs> um as well I felt like sort of both the days it was quite a lot of intense stress uh, sort of organizing it and making sure everything was perfect and that nothing was going gonna go wrong for people because also attending camps I knew that sometimes you can feel a little bit uncomfortable and I want to do my best to make it really comfortable and not a, ner- a sort of an, a, a scary situation with people because it can, it can really heighten every anxiety, I guess, that you've got. Um, but yeah, it was great. And my hope is to keep doing that and grow that and sort of build that into just celebrating the, the community of, of sort of, of women and, and people who identify as women songwriters in, in, in Scotland, because I think there are many out there that, that deserve to be sort of championed. Yeah. And you spoke about going to Nashville. So you, you toured in the US and Southeast Asia. What was that? What was that like? Was it different from doing a kind of UK circuit? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I did, uh, when I first went to America, I mean, I say tour. I was literally just, um, I was like seventeen, um, and my auntie was going over there for for work, and I just. Um, I managed to save up to get a ticket and then I went with her to all the different places she went, San Francisco, LA, New York. And then we went to a few open mic nights. Um, so that was like totally different. I was just rocking up on my guitar. Um, obviously, like, sort of not not earning any money. I didn't have any merch. I was just literally turning up, playing a few songs and and that was it. But it was a really, a really great experience. And then Southeast Asia was a bit different. We, me and my manager booked that one. And um, yeah, we just, again, turned up at the venues. I just, at the time, um, it was just me and another guy at my band and we just did a sort of 
uh, no no drums and that type of set, just sort of keys and, and a backing track thing, really. Um, but yeah, Southeast Asia tour was amazing and something that I would definitely really love to do again. It's just not happened yet. Um, and yeah, totally different from, from touring in the UK completely. Do you think it's quite important that singers have merch? Is that something that people make a lot of their income from? Yeah, yeah, total merch is like yeah, really, really important. I guess it's something that um, I'm trying to be better at doing. I'm not great at like graphic design and stuff like that. Um, so it's something that I'm trying to get better at, sort of making, I guess, my own kind of merch. But yeah, it's definitely, especially if you're on a tour where you're most likely losing money. I guess unless you're at a really sort of big stage, um, then yeah, merch is is super important. And I think. I, I myself always love like I don't know band t-shirts and when you've been at a concert that you really enjoy I think it's nice to take away a wee souvenir or something like that but yeah a really important part and I think um yeah I think I think it's just I think it's just what needs to happen mm-hmm. and you were meant to be playing live at Radio One's big weekend in Dundee but obviously due to the coronavirus it was online how how did that feel? Yeah, um, I was yeah I was really buzzing about being asked to play it in the first place, and I was really gutted when it got cancelled before I got announced to play it. And it was also like a big secret, so it's just like oh, I'm never going to get to tell anyone. It's just, they'll never believe me. <laughs> it's just like oh, I don't know if it'll come back to Dundee again. Is this it? My my career's over. And then they messaged me about um, doing it online which was great. Um, so yeah, I just recorded a couple of acoustic versions at home and made a couple of wee videos. And then, yeah, that went out on the sort of the days when it was supposed to be the festival. Um, and it, it was really good. I mean, totally different to, I guess, what the actual festival would have been like. But I was really grateful that they still asked me to be involved in that. And um, it was nice to sort of still feel part of something and have something to look forward to as well. Because at that point, that was just towards the end of May. Um, and at that point, it was sort of just, I don't know, I felt like morale was quite low just in general, I guess, for everyone. And it was nice to have something to actually, to look forward to, to doing. Mm-hmm. And Dundee has obviously seen uh, so many vast changes in the last couple of years with the waterfront development and the V&A museum opening. Um, how has it felt to see your hometown becoming more of a cultural hub? Yeah, I think... Yeah, it's quite it's quite sort of I guess wild when you think about it. Really, like what it used to look like bef- beforehand, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, all the changes, and and now people coming to Dundee just for yeah cultural reasons, I guess. And I think it's great because it, at, at the heart, it's always been a very sort of creative city, music and art, design, gaming, like so many things. And I think that um, I think it I think it's great, and it's a city that that yeah I guess more more people should visit, and more people are visiting now, and and hopefully. I think maybe if, if obviously this year hadn't have been sort of um, locked down and, and stuff like that, then then I, I hoped that sort of it would mean more bands would be sort of coming here as well on their tours. Because um, I think it, it's important that, um, yeah, that, that, that people can sort of stop off here as well and, and do their sort of their touring schedule here. But yeah, I think it's, it's, um, it's exciting. And I hope that, I hope that it, it brings good things for the city and I hope that brings good things for the people who who live in the city as well like no matter what area you live in I think it, it's it's hopefully going to be good for 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 everyone mm-hmm. and you have recently released Lights Off and it's obviously had such a, a big buzz and it's been on Radio 1 that must feel so exciting to to hear it on the radio how has it felt to to hear that yeah yeah it's really exciting um I don't know yeah there's not many words to describe it really I think there must be some people who can really play that cool like I don't know play it down but I just (laughs) I just couldn't um I think I've listened to Radio 1 for so many years and like I don't know like when we go to school I'd listen to it or after school listen to it or on just for years and then it's just it's it's just weird <laughs> to hear a song that you've written and a song that sort of means so much to like actually yeah be on the radio but it's very very exciting and um 
I, I don't know. I don't know if that feeling wears off. I mean, it must do. Like for artists that are like on the A list now, where their songs get played regularly, I don't know if they film themselves every time. But um, it is it is exciting, and yeah, I think it's hopefully the start of a of a hopefully a long journey for Lights Off. Definitely. And do you have an album in the works or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, an album is definitely on the horizon at some point. Um, I've got so many songs that um, sometimes it's it's a little bit difficult um, to decide. And then I, I just, every time at the moment, every time I've been going to work, uh, work on a song and sort of finish it and, and develop it a little bit more, I end up writing a new one. So <clears throat> I just keep, uh, then the list sort of grows and, and plans change. But yeah, I, I've got another couple of sort of EPs mapped out in my head already. Um, and yeah, I, I really would love to release an album. I think the value of an album is, is definitely a little bit different nowadays to what it used to be. But for me, I've always loved listening to albums, like hearing an artist's full vision and story. And it's, it's definitely something that I, I really want to do. Um, I just don't think it's, it's not going to be for a while yet, unfortunately. But hopefully, hopefully soon. And I'm just going to keep releasing lots of music anyway. And you've got your UK tour to look forward to next year. How are you yes. feeling? How are you feeling about it coming up and everything? Yeah, I'm buzzing. I mean, it's weird when you think it's not till March next year, um, and I'll nearly be 24 when that tour happens, which is just like where is the year will just gone. I don't know, but um, so yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to. It. I'm really excited to to work on the show as well. I've got so many ideas of things that I want to do, and it's actually quite nice to be able to have the time to to do that. Sort of since I started gigging. Um, it's just been a bit non-stop like for, for quite a lot of years there's never been this time where you're not actually allowed to go and do shows or allowed to go outside and um, I'm quite excited at the idea of just doing things that I've sort of always wanted to do and, and making sure it's yeah it's all good for for March. Brilliant and do you have any other advice that you would give to women who want to become singer-songwriters? Um... I think believing in yourself is cheesy, but I think it's one of the biggest things. It's something that I, I really don't do a lot in all honesty, um, but I always tell other people to do it. And I always, I, I think, um, yeah, just and don't be too, too hard on yourself um, as well. I think that um, you've just got to make music and do the things that you that you enjoy and that you want to do and the right people and the right things will happen at, at the right time when they're supposed to and um yeah just just keep believing in yourself don't give up and don't let anybody don't let anybody take you away from from who you are um i think is, is the most important things and things that i'm i'm not very good at and i'm still trying to trying to get a bit better at but i think yeah i think it's important that we believe in ourselves and, and build each other up as well. That was singer-songwriter B Charlotte. You can find her on social media at IamBCharlotte and get tickets to her upcoming gigs at IamBCharlotte.com. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. If you like this episode, please subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. You can find the podcast on Facebook at She's Creative Pod and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Claire Hutch. See you next time.